0: Hello, this is Father Mike Walker of Father Mike's Podcast, Father Mike's Bible Study Podcast, and the Catholic Combine, the pastor of St. Cecilia Catholic Church in Beaverton, Oregon. If you would like more information about the parish or the podcast, please feel free to email me at frmikewalker at gmail.com. And now, today's podcast. So, this weekend, the two weeks. Before, we had these readings from John's Gospel, and uh, one of the keys to understand John's Gospel is to understand that he loved seven. And there's, of course, a reason for that. Uh, but we have, for example, seven signs, and these are major miracles and things that G- Jesus did during his ministry. And so we, the last three weeks, we've had those. We had the man born blind, we had the woman at the well, and today we have Lazarus. And there was also Cana, and there was also the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. So there are seven signs because it's a sign of completion. And it's just a sampling of the great things that Jesus did in his ministry. Uh, similar to those seven days of creation, well, now we have this fulfillment and completion in Jesus who does these great signs uh, before he does the greatest sign, which would be his death and resurrection. And there are also seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. And the reason is, is because I am is the divine name. So when, when Moses was at the Mount Sinai and God revealed his name, uh, Yahweh was I am. That's what the, the name meant. And so when Jesus says I am seven times, that's also a sign of fulfillment. He's showing his divinity in that. And so today he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so you have this fulfillment passage happening with the raising of Lazarus, the greatest of Jesus' signs before his death and resurrection. But it's also good for us to be able to see some of the context that is going on. So you may have noticed that Jesus is with his disciples and he gets word that Lazarus is sick. And as he gets that word, then he stays two more days. And you might be thinking, why did he do that? You know, why didn't Jesus just go running straight and, and then heal Lazarus before he had to die and, and get buried and then four, years, four days later be raised? Well, the reason was is because Jesus wanted to demonstrate his power over sin and death. And he's doing that specifically after four days because uh, three days is what the Jews used to think. They would say, okay, when you die... You've got three days before your spirit leaves your body, and then you're dead, dead. You know, you're like, you're totally dead. There's no hope for you. And so that was just a way that Jesus was demonstrating that Lazarus was truly dead by waiting those two additional days. And as he comes, he meets up with Martha. And you might have noticed that the number of times it said that Jesus loved Lazarus, and he loved Martha and Mary. And Martha and Mary and Lazarus loved Jesus. There was this great relationship that they had with one another. And Jesus used to spend time with Mary and Martha and Lazarus because they were friends. And so when Martha comes up to him, uh, she says, first of all, that, that her brother had died. But then she says, if you would have been here, that he would not have died. And it's the same words that Mary will use. You know, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. You know, the exact same words. It shows that there's really a connection between them. And also in the in the conversation that Jesus had with Martha, you can see that Martha got it. You know, when the disciples didn't necessarily get it, and it seemed like no one else was really getting it, you notice also that Martha and Mary understand who Jesus is and what he's capable of. And so they repeat the same thing. But even Martha says... You know, well, of course he'll rise again on the last day. And so she understands that. And I've come to believe that you're the Messiah, the one who is to come. So Martha knows who Jesus is. She knows he's the Messiah. Now, you might say, well, how come they knew? How come Mary and Martha knew, and probably Lazarus, but no one else seemed to? Well, the reason was is because they listened to him. They spent time with him. They were his friend, and they allowed they allowed themselves to be Jesus's friend you know there was this this idea of love and friendship that existed between them all and I think that's an important thing it's very different to know something about someone and to know someone to know someone as a friend that that there's just a different understanding that you have than just knowing something about someone I don't know if you've ever had that uh, someone you knew really well and maybe they were accused of something and and you're saying well That's not them. You know, I had a a really good friend of mine that once he was accused of, like, being in it for the money or something like that, and it's like, well, you obviously don't know him, you know? But in a similar way, you think about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They knew Jesus because they were friends. They listened to him. They spent time together, and they came to love and know one another. And I think that's important for us. If we really want to be people of faith, we really do need to work on our friendship with our Lord. Uh, it's, it's too common and too often that people have this concept and false image of God as if he's just out there somewhere beyond the Milky Way waiting for excuses to strike us dead and, and, and to condemn us for one reason or another. And, and it's, it's a sad thing because there, there's kind of a certain neurosis or a scrupulosity that comes with that. And this idea that, oh, I can't do anything right and God's just judging me and he... well that's not who god revealed himself to be and so if we have a false concept of god then we want to make sure that as we learn about jesus we also in our prayer and in our worship we work on our friendship with him because if we're friends with jesus we will respond to him in a way that's similar to martha and mary we will know him for who he truly is and we won't be led astray by stupid youtube videos or anything else that tries to draw us in a different direction you know it's good it's a good thing to know and to love You'll also see that there was this one particular verse where it said Jesus wept. All right, so for those of you in trivia, you probably would recognize that that's the shortest verse in the Bible, right? A few of you probably knew that one, right? The shortest verse in the Bible. Well, it is in English, you know, so if you're going to get fancy, then you'd have to go to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always, because in Greek... The original characters, there are less characters in that than Jesus wept in Greek, but don't worry about that. You can bring that one up sometime. But the, the real important point here is Jesus wept. He was a human. You know, sometimes, too, there's, there's a, a, a false image of Jesus of it, as if he's just this, this non-emotional kind of godly presence, and he's just kind of floating around everywhere, detached from his creation and from the people he knows. He loves them, and he weeps for them. Uh, There's some discussion on why he was weeping. Um, Some will say he he wept because of the death of Lazarus, his friend, or he wept because of the whole existence of death and sin and what that brought on and, and just how the world needed to be saved from its corruption. Or he wept just because he's looking around and noticing these other people he loved who they are mourning and weeping, and he's just weeping and mourning with them. But the bottom line is that Jesus loved to the point where he expresses that in a genuine emotion. And so I think that's also good for us to keep in mind. That yes, Jesus wept for all those reasons, I'm sure, but he also weeps for us. So when you're struggling, when you're dealing with mourning in your life, and when there's sort of certain tragedy or sadness, you don't have a God that's detached from you. He's weeping for you and with you. And I think that's also important for us to keep in mind, that we have a personal God. We don't have a God who's detached and far away and unconnected, but we have a God who is so overwhelmingly full of love and emotion for us in a way that we can't even understand on this side of heaven. You know, and that's something we can hold on to. So finally, Jesus gets to the area where, where Lazarus had been buried for four days, and he says, "'Remove the stone.'" All right, and, and, of course, you're probably seeing the connection there, that there's a certain parallel between what's going on here and what will happen in Jesus' own resurrection, and that's intentional. But remove the stone. So here Jesus is about to reveal his glory, but in order for that to happen, the stone needs to be removed. I think that's also something for us, you know, that we have maybe some obstacles and barriers where God wants to reveal himself to us, but maybe we've put those up in front of that. It might be our predisposition it might be our sin it might be particular addictions it might be from our doubts or lack of faith but it's a good thing for us to remove those so that god can fully reveal himself to us and then jesus lazarus come out well again you know it's through the voice and the power of jesus that that he's he's raising him up and i think that's also the beginning of our resurrection that he says the same thing to us that We die and rise with him through baptism, and therefore, when he tells us, you know, to rise, that our resurrection begins then, you know, that that is the moment and the point where we have that new life that has been given us uh, through our God. And then the last thing, untie him. Jesus wants us to be free. Uh, Imagine Lazarus coming out of the tomb, you know, all wrapped up. You probably look like a mummy you know and they're obviously they're going to have to unwrap him so he can be set free but um, that's symbolic as well because Jesus wants us to be truly free and we have this false concept where we think that freedom is the ability to do whatever we want you know unrestricted well the problem with that is if it's sinful then it leads us to enslavement and Jesus does not want to give us a certain freedom that leads to enslavement he wants to give us true freedom And so true freedom is just simply the ability to choose what is right and what is good. You know, that is where true freedom is found. And so we as Christians, we've got this great blessing that we have the gospel to tell us what that is, how to choose the good and how to choose God and to live according to his ways. And so to the extent that we do that, we are truly free in a way that others who don't understand that can never understand. But God invites us to have that freedom as well. All right, so the last part, I just want you to think about how do you think Lazarus lived those last years of his life? So imagine if you were dead for four days in a tomb, and all of a sudden, through the power of Jesus, he comes and raises you from the dead, and then, and then unties you and sets you free. Would your perspective be a little different? Well, yeah, probably. Mine would be, I think, you know. First of all, there would be no fear of death, and, and you would truly understand whose you are, and where you are headed. You know, it would give you the perspective you need to be able to live life well. And I'm sure some people probably looked at Lazarus and said, well, maybe he's never going to die. And uh, there's some debate on that, of course. But uh, odds are, Lazarus knew that he was still mortal. This was a temporary thing. But it helped him to understand where his ultimate uh, goal is, where his ultimate home is, and that was in his God and in the life that God gave him. You know, really it's a reflection of what happens in Romans when St. Paul is saying that if we have the Spirit living in us and the Spirit of Christ is in us, that even in this life we will have life and our body will maybe die, but we will never die. You know, that this is kind kind of the point of that. But to a real extent, we're all Lazarus. So all of us have died in one sense or another and the whole point of baptism is that we get those gifts of regeneration and new life And we're supposed to be living in a way that is very similar to Lazarus. So our attitude should be the attitude of Lazarus. So we might want to think about that this week. So just think, how do you think Lazarus lived after he rose from the dead and saw the power of God in his life? And maybe that's an indication about how we should be living too. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. May God bless you and be with you as you live out your faith and serve the Lord this week.